With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Are you looking for a better way to play player props or daily fantasy sports? Well, look no further than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the leading over under daily fantasy game. Why? Because it's so easy to use and win. You can make your picks in under 30 seconds and win up to 10 times your money in one day. Right now, we have a special offer for our viewers and listeners of the NBA Exchange. All you got to do is sign up now and use the promo code NBAEX. Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Yep. That's right. They'll match your first deposit up to $100. So join the over 150,000 others who found a better way to play. Download the Prize Picks app today. What's up, everybody? Busy week. It is the Friday edition of the NBA Exchange. We had a lot to discuss this week, but this Friday, we're going to talk about one team. You know, we like to try to zone in on one team, and I haven't got to talk about this team in quite some time. That is the Dallas Mavericks. They've been playing really well in the Western Conference. So to talk with me about some Mavericks basketball, I thought it was no better person to bring back to the show than the homie Lauren Gunn. She is a writer for Mavs Moneyball, also the co-host of the Gunshot Podcast. You all know I love that name. Lauren, good to see you again. What's up? How you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me back. I love your shirt. I love this the setup. Like I just I'm very jealous. You've got it, you've got it going on. I'm very jealous. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. You, you. you try to try to keep it nice here. I appreciate the, the compliments there. Glad you're doing well. I knew you'd be doing well because the Mavericks <laughs> are doing well. They've been playing some good basketball. We were talking off air about how good they've been over the past couple of months. So the last time you were on here, we were talking about Luca's weight. Is that an issue? Is it a problem? Could the Mavs be good? Would they not make the playoffs? We were talking about things that all were like dicey. Mm -hmm. But now things have changed, right? They got 45 wins. They could get 50 wins this season. So I got to ask you this. What has changed for the Dallas Mavericks since the last time we talked? Oh my God, that there's a lot that's changed. Yes. You know, I mean, Luca, I guess you got to start at the beginning, like Luca with us talking about him being in shape and kind of what could happen there if it goes in the right direction. Obviously, we have seen it go in the right direction. And he's also, for anyone that hasn't seen, he has addressed that and talked about him playing into in season shape and acknowledging what he did over the offseason that 
kind of put him in a position to like have to come back from that. And I'm sure some people like the picture of him with the hookah is like coming into play, but like he just, he has embraced it. It seems like every, I don't know, every season he just becomes more and more ready to like take the next step and not just in terms of what's happening on the court, but understanding what it takes to kind of be like a leader and really be one of the best players in the NBA and like what all comes with that. And then I guess as far as the rest of the team, obviously big change in terms of uh, the poor Zingas trade, which was a shocker like that definitely was, I think a lot of Mavs fans that were pretty tuned in kind of looked at the Mavs and were like, okay, this poor Zingas situation is a tough one. And a lot of people were, were rooting for him and, and could see what he could bring to the table. But we also, it continued to, to be like, well, we're rooting for this idea of him and we want this idea of him, but it just, he's putting up the numbers, but it's just not, we're not, it's clear that we're not where we want to be. And and it looks difficult to, that it, to get where we want to be. And so when the trade happened, it was like, okay, now we at least kind of have this clean slate and can kind of take a step in a different direction. And in terms of player personnel, what that was going to translate to on the court, people were wondering with, okay, our defense has been good. You swap significant minutes with Porzingis with significant minutes with Dinwiddie how does that change your defensive schemes your how does that change everything and so there were big questions there but I mean as time has gone on obviously the defense is is holding up is holding strong Dinwiddie has come in and fit very well I definitely had concerns about a three-man lineup with Jalen Brunson uh Spencer Dinwiddie and Luca, but that has been a very like solid trio for for the Mavericks and so seeing them continue to win and all of them having success without any of them seeming to take a back seat or changing significantly and, and being solid, whether they're starting, coming off the bench, whatever the case may be, like they all have just seemed to really mesh well together. And I think it goes, it speaks to Jason Kidd as a coach, which mm-hmm. I got to give it to him. It speaks to him as a coach. It speaks to Dinwiddie's veteran leadership and, and understanding of the game in different situations and then it speaks to Luca and Jalen just welcoming this guy and sharing, you know, the usage and, and all of that. And it just it just seems to be a perfect fit. And it's played out well. It has played out well. And you you brought up a lot of the stuff that I had questions about mm-hmm. with them around the Porzingis trade. And I want to talk a little yeah. bit more about that because it was a shocker to me. It came right at the end on trade deadline day. It was a shocker. You thought that Luca KP marriage was going to work. But you hit the nail on the head for me, Lauren, which was, I thought it would impact the defense, bringing in Bertans, not known as a plus defender. Yeah. Dinwiddie's a, eh, he's an okay defender. He can be serviceable, right? So I thought it could hurt the defense, and the Mavs were trending up in defense. It was looking good. It had some sustainability. But you, you hit the nail on the head. Dinwiddie's been good. You didn't even mention Bertans. Do you think there's something they can still get out of Bertans that can help this team? And do you look at this trade as a win now? Because I don't think in the moment you would have looked at it like, oh, we're taking on some bad players from Washington, but now this Porzingis trade could be a win for Dallas, right? Yeah. Personally, I do see it as a win and it's very difficult with the the winners and losers of trades for me because I, I sometimes short-term, sometimes long-term, like things can change. And so as of right now, I think it is a win for Dallas and that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a, win, a loss for Washington, but for Dallas specifically, since that's what we're talking about, I do think it's a win. And with Bertans, his first couple of games with Dallas, like, he came in and like shot very well off the bench. And then kind of as it gone, as, as time went on, 
he was a little more inconsistent and we started to get closer and closer to playoffs. And so as you get closer and closer to playoffs, as you know, and many people know, like the, the, the rotation shrinks. And so you got to become a little bit more selective with certain guys minutes. And it was a struggle to have him out there from a defensive standpoint. And also given the fact that he was really only one of three, maybe you can make an argument for four with Marquise Chris, who missed some time with injury. Um, like that was our, our front court. And so playing Bertans and Maxi Kleba together was a little redundant and I they they tried it for a little while and I didn't like it and it's we've seen that kind of come to a complete stop and kind of seen more Dorian Finney-Smith play the five and so when it comes to Bertans when you have a guard like Luca that draws so much gravity and, and, and attention uh from opposing defenses I like having Bertans out there in the regular season as far as the playoffs I don't think that he's going to get much playing time between now and the playoffs. And even and then when the playoffs roll around, it's very difficult for shooters to just come in when they haven't had a consistent role carved out lately. So I don't know how much we're going to see of Bertans. Um, I do think that he will contribute in the regular season, the following season, but that contract is a big hurdle for Dallas to kind of address moving forward. Um, and so I think as of right now, he's just kind of, you know, going to stay put and they're going to work on this trio with Dinwiddie, Brunson and Luca, and then, continue getting Reggie Bullock, getting his feet back under him as he's made his return, keep Dorian Finney-Smith shooting well, and uh, just kind of ride that wave and see where it takes him. Yeah, I guess that's what you got to do. You talked about Bertrand's contract. I think they'll see what they can do with that down the road. But as you said, it's a tough one to move. Okay, Luca, We got to talk Luca. <laughs> Last time we were like, oh, you told me, Dex, we don't have to worry about the weight with Luca. He'll get in order. He has. You also mm-hmm. mentioned the fact that he acknowledged that. I thought yeah. that was huge in terms of yeah. leadership, right? He acknowledged it, said he needed to get in better shape. Yep. Now he's playing like an MVP. Look at the way he's been playing in the past two months. He's putting up MVP numbers. He might even get some MVP votes mm-hmm. the way the Mavs uh, are finishing this season. How impressed have you been with how he's been and then how sustainable do we see this for him as he goes into the future? You know, coming to camp in shape, keeping to know that he's got to keep this great play up across the season. Are you encouraged by what you've seen and how he's bounced back this year, Lauren? Yeah, I'm definitely encouraged. I think one of the biggest things is we need to get away from this, oh, we can go into the offseason and have a good time and then come back in and then we need a couple of months to get back into shape. Like, that's not going to work. And so, I mean, I don't want to say it's not going to work because these are human beings and they have, like, full freedom to go do whatever they want to do in their offseason. And not to say that Luca. The thing with Luca is that Luca is so competitive. This dude at whatever he just wants to win at the end of the day. And so he does have a lot of fun and like, that's great. But I think now as he's getting more and more, like I can take on anyone in this league. And like, like he said the other day when he was talking about Kevin Durant on JJ Reddick's podcast, he was like, that dude is so smooth. No one can stop him. And like, he will give respect to the guys that to, to whoever deserves it. But he also is fully aware that nobody can stop him. And like, I I believe that. I don't think anybody can stop him. And so he knows what comes with that responsibility, being a top 10, top five, if you ask most Mav fans, player in the league. Um, and so he knows that, hey, I'm in a position to, not right now, but I'm I'm the type of player that can win a title. I am that good, and I know how to play against a lot of these teams and and have success. And so there's no reason that I shouldn't be continuing to work towards a championship. And, and in order to do that, I need to hold myself accountable. I need to do the right things in the off season. And we've heard him talk more about, again, what he did wrong in the last off season, but it's also worth noting that 
in his short four years in the league, he's had to deal with the bubble, the shortened off seasons, playing in the Olympics. Like he has not had a ton of like big off seasons. And so I think this will be a good opportunity for him to go get another like this. I think I'm very excited for these playoffs in case you can't tell, but this next (laughs) off season, no matter how it goes for him to get some real time off, but also not totally put his feet back up and understand that there's food science and nutrition. And like, yeah, he's got the chef, he's got the team, he's got all that, but this dude is locked in and it's very clear that he's not really in it to kind of mess around anymore. He's ready to go 365 days a year, whatever that means to make sure that he gets to a position to win a title. I think you, you bring up a great point. The fact that he hasn't really had a normal off season in, in his you know first three years, he hasn't had a normal off season at all. You're, you're completely right about this. So my next question I was going to ask you, it's funny because a couple of weeks ago, if we had talked, it would have been a little bit different, but the Mavs now they're 45 and 28, Lauren, as you know, mm-hmm. uh, they're in the fifth spot due to a tiebreaker with the Jazz, but they can easily get the top four spot. Mm -hmm. So my question to you is, can the Mavs get a top four seed out in the West? Do you think this could happen and get home court in the first round, which would be huge for them, of course? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that they can. They have a game against Utah in this, like, I think it's the the next game after Minnesota. I don't know. I get the dates mixed up, but it's coming up. And so this battle with Utah, absolutely going to go down to the wire. And I think the Mavs are... I mean, I think they're also kind of looking at Golden State, like what's going on here? What's going on there? Like that's not out of reach either. It's definitely difficult, but it's not quite out of reach. And then again, on the flip side, Denver's right there behind them, you know? So they need to play their cards right and make sure that they're not taking any game for granted um, and going out there and taking care of business. So I absolutely, do I think that they'll somehow pass Utah and Golden State? I think that's unlikely, but again, statistically, it's not out of the question. Uh, but right now, I think it's going to be between uh, the fourth and fifth seed. And can they get that home court advantage against Utah? Um, and so I think that's probably most likely situation that they're looking at. But whether whether they get home court or they don't against Utah, I think they like that series. And I think they're very excited to play Utah because they're just, if anybody has watched these Mavs-Utah matchups over this entire mm-hmm. season, they get quite intense. So I know Luca wants that one. They do, and I'm going to get to that with you and what you think is a really good first-round matchup for them if, mm-hmm. if it is Utah. We'll get, we'll get that in one second. But looking at the playoffs, when you look at the Mavs, particularly the last two postseasons, Lauren, mm-hmm. we've seen Luka look fantastic, right? Even it was last year against the Clippers. He looked great uh, in, in the playoffs. But is the supporting cast, which you've talked about, right? They've been better in this regular season. We're seeing mm-hmm. Dinwood, Brunson. Dorian Finney-Smith has been fantastic. Uh, Dwight Powell's played really good, especially last couple weeks. Um, Do you think the supporting cast is good enough for them to do what Mavs fans want to see, which is win around in the playoffs? Is this supporting cast good enough to get the job done this season? Um, To win the first round, I do think they're good enough. To get the job done is a different question, because I think right now getting the job done is getting to the Western Conference. Well, Lauren, the Lauren's big game hunting here. Okay. I, I don't want to say it's my, it's my <laughs> goal. They are saying we've got a top 10, top five player in the league. There's no reason we shouldn't be able to get there. And so we're spending the money. Like there's no reason we should. Do I think that they'll get there? I think that that's a tough battle, especially if they do get out of the first round and will most likely be playing Phoenix in that second round. That's a very difficult road to get to the Western conference finals. But 
with the way they talk about themselves, the confidence that they have and um, just where they're at. I think that's where they think that they can get. And apparently Nick Wright from ESPN thinks that they can get there too. But again, another conversation as of right now, I do think the supporting cast is good enough and it all comes down to the defense because they are spending money. They going into this season. Yeah. They had Porzingis and they're like, okay, we've got these guys that can put up points. Jalen Brunson now in this starting role, like can put up points. Spencer Dinwiddie has come in putting up points, but the big question always came down to the defense because when you're going up against these other teams that have multiple like top 25 players in the league and you don't have that, it's very difficult to go head to head with some of these teams. But I think now the way that they're looking at their, their defense in terms of sustainability and being able to match up against different types of teams, I think they, they believe that their defense is, is good and good enough to where having Luca be your number one, he's so good of a number one that you're not afraid of any of these teams. And so this, I want to say this is like the first year, because obviously these last two years we played the Clippers and the Clippers are a bad matchup for Dallas because they have length, they have size, and they have defensive versatility. And that makes things tough uh, for Dallas. It also makes things tough for Jalen Brunson. And for a little while, there have been many times when you've had to defer to him. Having Spencer Dinwiddie open thing, opens things up for Brunson. Dinwiddie can play well against those teams. So it's a completely different kind of style that the Mavericks are playing with. And again, their defense is not what we've seen in these past few years, which is, I'm still shocked by it. Like I don't, every time I'm watching, I'm like, who is this team? Like I don't understand this because we've had the same people. So like, what is going on? Um, but yeah, I think Luca, again, it's always going to come down to Luca, but I think he is that good of a number one to where they're going to get out of the first round. Okay, I, listen. I like. Hey man, the, I, I'm like just the, I like the confidence. I'm just you're, saying you're pumping up Mavs Nation right here. They're like, let's go. What's <laughs> if the I said anything finals? less, they'd be coming for my head. I, so I, th- I, th- I well, we don't want them coming for your head, but yes, no, yes, I, I hear you. Now you talked about looking at the players, right? Especially defensively, and what's the difference? And I think some people will point to and say, okay, well, Jason Kidd. Jason yeah. Kidd has been here. I think that this year is very tough when you're looking at Coach of the Year. But I think Jason Kidd is one of these coaches that should get a lot of consideration. Considering, Lauren, what we talked about, the changes with the team, Luca being out of shape, the trades, the transformation with all the role players now learning to fit in. What do you think about Jason Kidd being coach of the year um, and getting some love in terms of that? A lot of people were skeptical of that hire, but so far, so good. Yeah, people, including myself, were very skeptical of the hire, very concerned with the X's and O's and kind of just that aspect side of it, the strategic aspect and the ability to make game to game and even in game adjustments. And like a perfect example of something, one thing that he said that really, really impressed me was um, there was a game early on in the season where he was asked after the game, hey, um, why don't you use a timeout at this specific play? It seemed like the momentum was swinging the other way why didn't you choose to call a timeout there and he said you know we were low on timeouts and I thought that that was a perfect scenario for these guys to for them to learn to push through it like sometimes I'm not going to have a lot of timeouts and I'm not going to be able to call one just to bail you out so you can all collect yourselves I think it was a good opportunity for them to learn and continue to get more experience to say, Hey, we got to power through this. We got to drown out the away crowd or we got to drown out or, or the home crowd for the other team. Um, and we just got to learn to get through those moments. And I was like, okay, okay. Like I'm on board. And so I've been very pleased with some of the adjustments that I've seen him make at one point, I was calling for more Josh green minutes because our defense was like 
getting better and we could see that we were a good defensive team. And I felt like he was a guy that could do a lot there and he's gotten more minutes and and they just, I like how he's handled a lot of different situations. And so I'm, I've been very happy with it. I love the connection and the relationship that he's building with Luca, the relationship that he's building with Jalen Brunson, because that's a big one. And I think that that's going to come into play in terms of Jalen Brunson sticking around. Um, as far as coach of the year, it's tough. I think he should get consideration and he should at least be a part of the conversation because he's doing a fantastic job with all, with everything that he's had to come in and deal with. Personally, I don't think he should get it. I think coach Taylor Jenkins and coach JB Bickerstaff, those are my two that I, I just really like what they've done. I'm sure there are probably some others that I'm forgetting, but I think those two, I really, really, really like what they've done. And, and as of right now, um, I think probably Taylor Jenkins, but I think coach kid should be at least in the conversation and mentioned given everything that he's had to kind of overcome. Oh, oh yeah. I definitely think it should be in a conversation. I'm with you. My vote, if I had a vote, I do not, if it did, it would go to Jenkins right now. Uh, Monty Williams going to hear a lot of talk of that from yeah. people, but I, I would give it to Taylor Jenkins right now. And I do think JD Bickerstaff uh, deserves a lot of consideration too. Okay. The Mavs no longer have, you talk about how good Luca is. I'm with you. I think he's top five. Yeah. Definitely think he's a top five player, but they do not have, on this roster right now, a bona fide second star. So where do you think this franchise goes right now without having that bona fide second star? Or is it needed, and is it about building that culture through being successful with wins in rounds or one round, if even, in this playoffs? Is it more about that and then the other star will come? Or do you think they're kind of – you have to draft one? What do you you think this this franchise is because they don't have that second star next to Luka? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a tough question. And I think for Dallas right now, it's got to be kind of one thing at a time. And right now you're looking at playoffs and again, you're continuing to build this resume and show that Luca is like you, you said top five player and that he can perform at this stage. Like he's a guy that goes into the playoffs and will take on anyone. Last year, he almost knocked out the Clippers essentially himself. And so that's a big deal because the Clippers were a lot of people's favorites to come out of the West at certain points. And so he needs to continue to do what he does and them getting out of the first round and him having a dominant performance will go a long way in terms of building the setting the the stage to get that second star right now. And we kind of talked about it earlier with Breton's contract. um, They've got a lot of guys that are on double digit significant contracts. I mean, to go down the list, like Luca's contract has kicked in. They just extended Dorian Finney Smith. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie is on, he was just signed in this last uh, free agency. So he's, he's up there making like 18. You got Tim Hardaway Jr. Who just resigned here making 17. Dorian Finney. Oh, I already said that. Um, Who else is in there? Jalen Brunson. They're probably going to bring him back. In my opinion, I think it's going to be like two for like 84. That's what I'm anticipating. So you can book that. Um, And at Reggie Bull, like there are a number of guys that are in the double digits. And so they've got, they've got hurdles to get through and not many draft assets to get there. And so personally, I do think having Spencer Dinwiddie as he was kind of, I don't want to say an insurance policy because that is very like that significantly kind of under like values what he is. And that's not the case at all. But I do think that part of that trade was, Hey, if something happens with Brunson or if somebody comes in and offers him something that we just can't do, having Dinwiddie gives us flexibility. So I do think that they're going to find a way to retain Brunson, but I think at some point in order to get that second star, it's going to have to be somebody that says, Hey, I want to go to Dallas. And like, that sounds crazy. I feel like for, 
for people that don't follow the Mavericks because mm-hmm. when has anybody ever said, I want to go to Dallas? You know, it's, that's it's, just. Yeah, you got. Yeah, Dallas hasn't had a lot of luck. They haven't the had that. Lauren, they have not. No. Yeah. So you're, you're right. going to be relying on Luca to, to be the one to show why you would want to go team up with him because while people have never said that they want to come to Dallas, I mean, behind the scenes, there was some Chris Paul stuff. There was some Drew Holiday stuff. There was some smoke there. It just didn't pan out. And that ultimately falls on Dallas. But they have never had a guy like Luca, And that's not to hate on Dirk because we all, like, if you're from Dallas, you love Dirk, and that is 100% it. But he's a very – he's one type of player. Like, you know what you're getting right. with Luca. Luca will throw you lobs. He'll try to catch them and laugh when he can't get off the ground. Like he's the type of guy that can do everything. And so they're going to want, somebody's going to want to come play with him and somebody, people are going to try to come get him to leave and go play with them. And ultimately that might be the easier path, but for Luca right now, he wants to win here. And so they're going to have to get tricky or at least wait until they have all their draft assets because right now, They've traded them away. And so uh, ultimately, I think it's going to come. It's I don't think it's going to be soon, unfortunately, for any Mouse fans listening to this. But I think it will ultimately be a package of Jalen Brunson, Josh Green, um, whoever we take in this upcoming draft, potentially Dorian Finney-Smith, and then future picks once they become available uh, to try and go get somebody. And I'm not saying that second star is going to be like, a Damian Lillard that asks out, they're going to get mm-hmm. beat in that package. But I think you get somebody or a team that's like, all right, we got to break this up. We're done. We got to, we got to reset. I think that's where Dallas is going to be able to look in and say, Hey, this is where we can finally move off of these contracts or go in and try to get something done. Yeah. It's something they will have to look at um, down down the road. I think eventually you're going to have to get that guy, but you know what? Winning takes care of all of that, Lauren, right? It's you, true. They, they start to win. They build a culture, which you've been talking about. I think that takes care of itself. Okay, let's look a little at playoffs. Mm-hmm. We talked about the Jazz. Mm-hmm. What is – is the Jazz the dream first-round matchup for this team? They don't want to – well, they don't have to see – they're not going to see the Clippers. Right. But would you want to see the Jazz? Does Golden State scare you? Denver, there's so many possibilities still right now uh, with 10 games to go in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, who would you like to see the Mavs play in the first round where you're looking at it and saying, like, okay, we, we feel good. Think the Mavs can get a get a win here in the first round? Who would you like to see them play in the first round? God, it's so it's so hard because the West is kind of all over the place. Like with Golden State, I know a lot of Mavs fans are like, "I want Golden State" because nobody knows what they are, and like that scares me. Like I don't know what Steph's going to look like when he comes back. Is he going to come back? I'm assuming he will, but like I just to me there are too many questions with Golden State, and they're too deep to like take that gamble so for me they're not the dream matchup I know for a lot of Mavs fans that they are me not so much Utah is it yeah Utah and Memphis are the two teams that like don't ever have an answer for Luka but I don't want Memphis right now because again like I don't know what their true ceiling is in in the playoffs like just like the Mavs this is their year to go up and prove it Tim McMahon's been writing about it they've been talking about it on the floor so like I don't want Memphis, even though they never have an answer for Luca. I just don't. And I'm a big jaw believer. So, like, I don't want to touch that. And Denver, Jokic is crazy. Jamal Murray's getting closer and closer. I don't want that either. So, yeah, for me, I think it's Utah. I, I also think that with Utah, they are getting very, very close to imploding. 
that's my opinion on the situation. And so I, I happen I happen to agree with you. I'm not little, sold on them in the playoffs either. No, I, no, and people haven't been sold on them for a minute now. And I think there's only more and more pressure building. I think there's more and more pressure building between um, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Quinn Snyder is. I read recently that his job apparently his job security on is apparently. And yep. like, I think that that is absurd, but whatever. I'm with you. Cause I don't, I don't think he's the problem. Here. He's not the problem. So like, I will be floored. Well, not floored. Cause I do understand <laughs> that that's how it goes, but right. like, that's a mistake in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that they have a two, a few too many things kind of already working against them. Uh, and Luca hates Gobert, so I would love to see that. So yeah, so that's kind of what that's what I want for sure. So I'm with you in that I think that's the best first round matchup for them, particularly because of what we've seen from the Mavs and how they're playing with the three guard lineup right now. Utah is weak on the perimeter. I'm not sure they can guard you or I, Lauren. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think they can probably pick me up. I'm sure, yeah, do. I'm sure they can pick me up too. But they should <laughs> they should be able to. But they my point is they haven't looked good on the perimeter. And what, what the Mavs can bring, I think, can actually give them a lot of problems, mm-hmm. particularly if they're hitting their outside shots. So if you've got the great play from Brunson, Dinwiddie, uh, and Luka, that's a problem for the Jazz. That That's not what they want to see. They don't want to see all these different ball handlers. That makes it tough for them. So you know what? I'm rooting for this. I'm rooting for Thanks. Jazz, Mavericks in the first round. Now it's just to see will the Mavs get a home court advantage. Okay, last thing for you before I get you out of here. Okay. You kind of touched on this before. Mm-hmm. Uh, with with the Mavericks and what they're trying to build this year. But the money question is, okay, how good can they be in these playoffs? Is it another strong showing in the first round? Is it winning a first-round game? Is it getting to the Western Conference Finals? <laughs> what do you think is the ceiling for the Mavericks in these playoffs, upcoming playoffs? Yeah, it's. I mean, it really, really is so difficult because one, I try to take my homer bias out of it while also acknowledging the numbers that Luca can put up and who he puts them up against. Like this dude rises to the occasion time after time. And so if Dallas's defense was not good, I would have a completely different answer. And I would be solely focused on the first round. And I am focused on the first round, one at a time. But I absolutely think that they're getting out of the first round because I think they're going to go up against Utah. I think they'll beat them. And then you're looking at probably Phoenix. And that is a very, very, very tough matchup for Dallas. So I don't – do I know that they come out of that one? I don't know. I'd honestly say it's 50-50 because with Dallas – okay, maybe not 50-50. I shouldn't say that. But Dallas has a way of – if they're knocking down their shots, good luck. Good luck. And Devin Booker is fantastic. Chris Paul is fantastic. Chris Paul is coming back from an injury. I don't know what version of him he is. They just had a near 100-game season last year, and they are looking to do the same this year. Like, I don't know what's going to happen with Chris Paul. Is he going to get hurt again? Is he? I don't know. So if Dallas is knocking down their shots, like, I by no means am saying if Dallas goes up against Phoenix, there's no chance they come out of their ser- that series. Phoenix is definitely the favorite. I want to make that clear. But Luka does not turn down a challenge, and I would not count them out of that series. So – to me right now, the West is wide open. I actually was asked a couple, like a week ago, how many teams could you legitimately see coming out of the West? Could you make a case where they can come out of the West? And I said, I said four. I can see four out of the, the final eight spots making it to the Western mm-hmm. Conference Finals. And Dallas is one of those teams. Obviously, you've got two in there. But I mean, four teams, I can see them coming out of the West. And Dallas is one of them. And so it's really up in the air. But 
it's all going to come down to the three-point shooting for Dallas because the defense is there. Luka's going to be there. I think Dinwiddie's going to be there. It comes down to me. For me, it comes down to knocking down the open threes and Jalen Brunson because in the last couple of years, he's struggled a little bit in the playoffs. And if he yeah. goes up against a team again like Phoenix that has size and defense and length, that could be tough for him. So how does having Spencer Dinwiddie help that? Can he, now that he's a starter, has continues to build this confidence? How does he look? It comes down to three-point shooting and Jalen Brunson for me. It's going to come down to that. It's going to be really interesting with the Mavs and the players. But I'm so glad that, you know, we got to talk this time. Me too. And it wasn't doom and gloom. It wasn't like, <laughs> oh, what's going to happen? It's nice to talk. We're like, the playoffs are coming. Things feel good. I, I see you smiling, Lauren. Oh, yeah. Know. Life's good in Dallas, Life's man. I'm not Dallas. even going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> life is good in Dallas. I, I, I like that. Life life is good in Dallas. wish I could say the same about uh, the team I grew up rooting for, the New York Knicks. Life is... Uh, not not so not so sunny as here here in New York right now. But look, good to see you. you good too. to talk to you again. I I hoping that once we get through the first round, I can talk to you again uh, about some Mavs basketball. We will talk that. That is Lauren Gunn. She is a contributor for Mavs Moneyball, great SB Nation site. Also, the co-host of the Gunshot Podcast. Really good podcast. Please check her out, Lauren. Thank you once again. Um, really appreciate you coming through and uh, hanging out with me to talk some Mavericks basketball. We will do it again very soon. Uh, for everybody, that is Lauren Gunn. I'm Dexter Henry. Until next time, y'all. Peace. <laughs>